Yo, 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 good evening and happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to episode 125 of Sports Takes Galore. I'm your humble host, Gabe, and thank you again for listening. Post-NBA Finals um, episode, as the Golden State Warriors are back on the mountaintop as NBA World Champions by defeating the Boston Celtics in six games. I'll give you my post-finals analysis and takes. And Steph Curry's been getting a lot of talk about where he ranks as one of the all-time greats. I'll give you my takes on where I believe Steph Curry is ranked as one of the all-time greats. And in my Moving Forward series, I'm going to give you my takes, analysis, on what the Boston Celtics need to do to get back to the NBA Finals and win it next time they're there. Coming up on the other side. Stay tuned. All right, now without further ado, let's get this post-NBA Finals episode started. I want to start off by saying congratulations to the Golden State Warriors on winning the NBA championship last night. They defeated the Celtics in six games. 103-90. Now this was a total team effort by the Boston, by the um, Golden State Warriors. I mean, this is their fourth NBA title in eight years. You might as well call them a dynasty. Because when's the last time an NBA team won this many titles in this span of time? I mean, you may have to go back to, let's see, uh, I know back to the 80s with the Lakers. I mean... I mean, the Pistons won two out of th- in three years. Uh, probably when my Lakers, during the Kobe and Shaq years, who won three straight NBA Finals. So that might be as far back as you can go. Or, I take that back, you had the Heat during the Big Three. I mean, LeBron and company won two championships in four years during his time with the Heat. So, kudos to the Golden State Warriors for getting back to the promised land. And it wasn't easy. Because let's remember, the Golden State Warriors went to the finals five straight years. That's right, five straight years from 2015 to 2019. In the first championship, they defeated the Cleveland Browns in six games. Of course, they there was LeBron James by himself because Kyrie Irving got hurt in game one and Kevin Love got hurt early in the playoffs. So it was basically three on one. Now the second year, the Golden State Warriors had a record 73 victories to nine losses in the regular season. They got back to the NBA Finals. This time they played a, a Cleveland Cavaliers team at full strength. LeBron, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Love. Now they were up three games to one and had a chance to close the um, Cavaliers out in game five. But Draymond Green 
got kicked out of the game for flagrant on LeBron. And of course, that turned the series around. And eventually, the Warriors lost that game in seven. Now, the next year, and next two seasons, were the KD years. What do I mean by the KD years? After they lost the NBA Finals in 2016, Draymond Green got on the phone with Kevin Durant and said, Katie, we need you. So Kevin Durant, after blowing his own 3-1 lead to the Warriors in the Western Conference um, Finals that year, decided to jump ship and join the Golden State Warriors. And they won back-to-back championships with Kevin Durant winning finals MVP. Then they went to another NBA Finals where they took on the Toronto Raptors. And things came apart then for the um, Golden State Warriors. I mean, Kevin Durant got hurt and he only played a couple of games during that um, NBA Finals. And Klay Thompson suffered what would be the first of two ACL injuries that kept him out of the sport for two years. And the Warriors lost that series and six to the Toronto Raptors led by Kawhi Leonard then the following year the Warriors were non-existent Steph Curry suffered an injury and missed most of the season so the Warriors were one of the worst teams in the NBA that year then the following year they, had, they, had to, they, they got into the play-in tournament lost the Lakers, had a chance to get into the playoffs as the last seed, and lost the Memphis Grizzlies and John Morant. And some might have thought, this is the end of the Warriors dynasty. That's it. Because after the Lakers won their championship in 2020, we had, in 2021, the new up-and-coming team, led by Devin Booker and newly acquired point guard, Chris Paul, a.k.a. the Phoenix Suns. After losing in the finals that year to the Milwaukee Bucks, the Phoenix Suns were the, were the huge favorites to get back to the NBA Finals. Golden State was not was an afterthought. But things bounced the Golden State way. The Suns collapsed. And here we are, back in the NBA Finals. Now, they were playing a Boston team who got there for the first time. But I picked the Warriors to win this this in seven games. Check out my last episode. I had two guests. My guy, Barry Uba, who was a Boston native and resides in Boston. And he picked his Celtics in seven. And, of course, Brenda Facemeyer, my other... um, um, guess she agreed with me and picked the Warriors. Now, one of the reasons why I picked the Warriors is because of their championship experience. I mean, think about it Draymond Green, Steph Curry, and Klay Thompson have been there five straight years. So they've seen it all. And you knew that, champion, that championship experience was going to come into play. And it did just that. Steph Curry was the best player 
on, on in that series. He averaged 26 points a game and six assists. And he finally got that finals MVP that's been um eluding him. Because you could make the case that he should have gotten MVP in the 2015 series. But Iguodala, Andrew Iguodala got it because of his defense on LeBron James. Because Curry had a, had, I mean, he had an excellent series in 2015. Of course, Klay Thompson, who came back in, in January, I mean, he had an up and down series, but to be expected. I mean, Jordan Poole, he could tribute. Draymond Green, I mean, he was up and down. I mean, let's be honest. After the game one, he was bad in game two and three. I mean, so bad in game three that the, the Celtic fans was just heckling him. They were all over him. And he knew he played bad. He admitted it. Then in game four, with nine minutes to go, Steve Kerr decided to bench him. You would have think that would have had some bad feelings there, but they pulled out the game due to Steph Curry balling out. Now with the series tied two games to two, the Warriors decide. The, the Warriors showed why their championship experience matters. They knew that if they can take game five, they put the pressure on Boston to win game six. And then they can put on that killer instinct. And they did just that. They won game five. And once they won game five, they, they, they knew the pressure was on. They knew they need to get it. They need to go into Boston and close the Celtics out. And after starting, and after being down 14 to two to start the game, they, they counterpunched the Celtics and the Celtics never recovered. But I believe besides Stephen Curry and his um awesome performance, you gotta give up to Andrew Wiggins. I mean, you can say that Andrew Wiggins was a steal for the Warriors. This guy was a first round pick of the Timberwolves and he was considered a bust. So the, the Timberwolves decided to ship him out of there and the Warriors picked him up and he showed what a fit he was. Not only he was the second best player in these finals behind Stephen Curry, he was the best defensive player in in, in these in these um, NBA finals. As um, Kendrick Perkins said on first take, he took Jason Tatum's soul. I mean, he made Jason Tatum look ordinary. I'll talk more about Jason Tatum later. So, what this does, I believe going forward for the Warriors, is the championship window has reopened. I mean, it's good to have somebody like Andrew Wiggins, because he's a young guy. You know, Jordan Poole, you know, Gary Payton the, the, the second. Because Curry's 34, Clay I think is 32, 33, Draymond, I think around that same age. So... As long as they lock up Wiggins, and they better lock up Wiggins on a long-term deal, and keep getting these young pieces, the Warriors will be a force to be reckoned with. Of course, it's not going to be easy for them because the West is loaded. 
we expect the Phoenix Suns to bounce back. I mean, you you got some up and coming young teams like the Memphis Grizzlies. You know, the Tim the Timberwolves showing some some signs. The New Orleans Pelicans. I mean, if Zion Williams can get back to what he was at Duke. You got the Dallas Mavericks, who's shown that they've taken some steps forward. Now, can the Lakers get back? I mean, and challenge the Warriors? As a Laker fan, I hope so. We'll have to see what what LeBron looks like and whether Anthony Davis is going to be back to the Anthony Davis that we know he can be. And what this new coaching staff of um, Dervin Ham brings to the table. So, it's not going to be easy for the Warriors to repeat. But, they do have a chance. Now, let's move on to the hottest debate during these um, NBA Finals. And probably throughout sports. And that's, where does Steph Curry rank among the all-time greats? I mean, if you turn on, you know, first take, you know, undisputed. Speak for yourself or any other sports debate show. I mean, of course, I love those shows, so this is not a knock. I'm just saying. Or you turn on sports talk radio. I mean, I got Sirius XM in my car, so I listen to sports talk radio. You would hear debates back and forth on where does you rank, where does you rank, where does Steph rank? What happens if he wins and it the MVP? I mean, do you put him in the top 10? Do you keep him in the top 15? Do you put him in the top 5? I mean, it was just debates over and over about where Steph Curry needs to be ranked. Is he the greatest point guard of all time? Well, I think I'm going to go ahead and dip my toe into this too. As far as whether I think Steph Curry's an all-time great. Let's look at Steph Curry's career. Steph Curry has averaged over 26 points a game. I mean, he's he's got the all-time record in three-point shots. I mean, he definitely changed the game because, look, I mean, back when I when I first started NBA, people um, players didn't hit three three point three pointers at at the frequency that Steph Curry hits. I mean, he had, he holds the all-time not only all-time record in three-point shots made, he has a record. Of 21 games where he's hit 10 or more three-pointers in a game. He's a two-time MVP regular season. And especially and especially in 2015-2016, unanimous MVP. Meaning he won it flat out. And nobody else came even second place. And of course, in this NBA NBA Finals, he finally got that elusive Finals MVP. Now, here's what I will say: the war, Steph Curry's legacy was already set, even before these Finals start. He didn't have to win. In, he didn't have to win the Finals MVP to be an all-time great. He's already an all-time great. Now, would I put him in the top ten, personally? No, not in the top 10. Top 15? Yeah, I think you could put him 
in the top 15, probably more lower to 14 and 15 than 11 and 12 in my book. Because like I say, we all know I'm not going to put him over, you know, I'm not going to put him over, like I say, a, a Jordan, a LeBron, a Kareem, a Magic Johnson, a Kobe. I'm not going to put him over a Larry Bird. I'm not going to put him over... I'm not going to even put him over Kevin Durant. I mean, you, you can even put him... I, I said another good point guard. Uh, you know, Oscar Robinson. Now, I get he has four championship um, titles. And, of course, that makes, you, that, that, that makes the case for him. But... I'm not going to put him in the top 10. Now, at least not at this time. Now, if he continues to play and see where things go at, you know, the rest of his career, then I might consider it. But for right now, he's he's, he's a top 15 player. Top 10? Nah. And definitely not top 5. That's that that's that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Curry's an all-time great, as I as I've said many times on this podcast. Not only he's the game he's the game's all-time best shooter, he's the game's deadliest shooter of all time. I mean, he makes three-pointers from anywhere on on the court. I mean, the way he's changed the game, he's. I mean, him along with the Golden State Warriors have has other teams looking at how can we duplicate that? Because we all know, especially pro um, leagues, they're all copycat. So there's 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 how I feel about Steph Curry as an all-time great. Now let's close this segment with my moving forwards. And moving forward is the Boston Celtics, the losers of the NBA Finals. So I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you my takes on what I believe the Boston Celtics need to do to get back to the NBA Finals and next time come away with victory. Now let's before I do that, let's start off with the Celtics season. It started off very slow. They had a losing record. And, I mean, there were a lot of chatter. I mean, you had commentators everywhere thinking, should they keep Jason, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum together? They were talking about breaking these guys up. But, they, they, they pulled it together. I mean, kudos to Ami Odoka, the, the first-year head coach, for riding the ship. Turning this team, turning this um season around, and got them through the playoffs. In the first round, they swept the Nets and Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Then they had two grueling seven-game series in the semifinals against the Bucks. They had to go seven games, and against the Miami Heat, they had to go seven games. Now, once they got to the finals, I mean, they they did win six games. But you can tell that inexperience came into play. 
Now, is it possible they were worn out because they played two seven-game series? I'm not going to use that. That's not an excuse. I mean, there are teams all the time that play two seven-game series and still come out on top. I mean, this team the Boston Celtics have in its current form, they can't they can make a run. They can't compete for championships over the next five plus years. I mean, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are 25 and 24 respectively. So they still got time. I mean, they got the pieces of there. Marcus Smart. I mean, Al Horford. And Robert Williams, who I, you need to get a, a big ups to. This guy was playing hurt every night. And he went out there and he balled. I mean, not just getting, he was getting, he was getting his share of points, but he was getting rebounds. He was getting blocked shots. So I'd say Robert Williams was probably the most consistent Celtic out there, in my view. I mean, Grant Williams. He was good at times, but he didn't give it. He didn't have enough um, good games to make an impact. I mean, Marcus Smart. I mean, he, he was a defensive player of the year, but he he was not able to handle Steph Curry for the most part. But going forward, the Boston Celtics may need should vest in a a true point guard because. One of the big issues that the Celtics had in this series was they were turnover prone. I mean, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown were careless with the ball. I mean, these are your two top guns. You got to have your star players minimize the turnover. I mean, Marcus Smart, he's not a two-point guard. So that's why I think they need to invest in a true point guard, somebody that can handle the ball. And of course, as I gave a a big ups to Iman Uduka, the head head coach of the Celtics, I got to give him some criticism too. He needs to do a better job getting his two best players in positions to get open. Not only that, they need, to, they need to come up with a game plan and, and, and he needs to coach these guys to stick with the game plan until the other team either stops it or you need to adjust. What I mean by that is if you look at game six, the reason the Celtics had a 14-2 lead is because they were Al Horford was posting up, Marcus Smart was posting up. I mean, why didn't they just have a post game? And of course, we all know Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown can post up. I mean, those two guys are just are, are good um, low post players too. They should have kept and stuck with the low post game. But Coach Yudoko allowed them to get out of that game plan and start jacking up threes. So they need to. So Coach Yudoku needs to have a better. I mean, needs to do a better job. Of sticking with the with game plans, don't let you know the team veer off from the, from what's working. And 
He needs to tell his guys, stop complaining about the referees. Too many times throughout the series, when in, in calls didn't go their way, they complained to the refs. They were always looking at the refs to bail them out. The refs are not going to bail you out all the time. I mean, you got to play through it. Things are not going to go your way all the time. So, the Celtics as a whole, they just got some things they need to clean up. Now, who deserves most of the blame for the Celtics collapse? Or for the Celtics not living up to par? Look, I'll tell you, I mean, you win as a team and you lose as a team. But as much as we give Jason Tatum the praise for being a baller and a great player, he needs to get he needs to get the easy to get the criticism and he needs to get that work. The simple fact is, Jason Tatum was a non-factor. He shot 37% in the NBA Finals. He had, in the playoffs, just the whole playoffs, 100 turnovers. Bro, 100 turnovers by yourself? Yeah, that's not going to get it done. Throughout this whole series, and throughout this um finals, I mean during during the finals, that is, all you heard from Jason Tatum is how much he idolized the late Kobe Bean Bryant. How he how he wore his jersey, he grew up cheering him on. That's fine. But he was basically saying that he wants to be like Kobe. Well, here's a little something you need to learn from Kobe, Jason Tatum. You can't disappear in big games. Especially when stuff's not going your way. Now when things are going Jason Tatum's way, he's like the best player on the on the court. But when things are not going his way, he just does a Houdini and disappears like J.R. Smith. I mean, he was playing more like James Harden at times in this series. Basically, you know James Harden, just a regular season player, gets the playoffs, falls. And that's basically what Jason Tatum did. He fold. One of the things you could learn from the late Kobe being Brian is Kobe, you know, kept that same energy 100%. Whether things were going good, whether things were going bad. But Jason Tatum, he needs to make a decision. If you want to be like Kobe, fine. You got you to have that mama mentality. What you saw, what, what I saw, was not mama mentality. That was more like James Harden um, mentality. Now, of course, I mean, like I say, he is 24 years old. Him and Jalen Brown, they still got time to turn this around and make the Celtics a championship team. So, as much criticism. As, he, as he's been getting, we all know he can still. There's still time to turn it around. But next year, Jason Tatum, we need to see you ball out. Whether things are going good, whether things are going bad. What that means is, 
not only on the offensive side of the ball, but on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, when things were going bad, he didn't play no defense. And things were going bad that basically Andrew Wiggins didn't have a, had a, I wouldn't say an easy time containing him. But Jason Tatum didn't make it hard for him, for um, Andrew Wiggins to contain him. So going forward for the Celtics, you just, need, you just need to just, like I say, clean up those ball handling issues. You know, the, the two the two um, guns, Tatum and um Brown, need to be step up when the time comes, when it counts the most. Stop complaining to the referees to bail you out. And Coach Udoka, he just need to get a game plan. Stick with the game plan until they stop it. Get his team, get get his best players in positions to score points. I mean, you know, you know how to coach defense, but now we need you to coach offense on a more consistent basis. So that's it for episode one twenty-five. So this will conclude episode 125 of Sports Takes Galore. I'm your humble host, Gabe. Thank you again for listening. Thank you again for downloading. I appreciate it. You can can, um, stream this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, or wherever you stream your podcasts from. You can follow me on Twitter at ggsports13. You can follow my Facebook page at Sports Takes Galore with Gabe. I'd like to thank everyone for listening. Thank everyone for downloading. Have a wonderful evening. And I'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye. All right. Now, without further ado, let's get right into it. I'm going to start my opening take in the NBA. Now, there's a lot of big free agent signings throughout the past couple of days but first I'm going to go with the big story and that's Kevin Durant Kevin Durant a couple of days ago went to the new the Brooklyn Nets and asked for a trade that's right Kevin Durant wants out of Brooklyn and what's funny about this is this was days before Kyrie Irving decided to opt into his 36 million dollar deal which will keep him for at least one more season. Now, of course, Kyrie Irving was looking for a long-term deal, but the Nets were kind of skeptical of giving it to him, and you can't blame them, because they're not sure Kyrie's even dependable. But Kevin Durant, he decided that this is too much chaos with the Brooklyn Nets organization and has asked for beat for out. Now... Here's, here, here are my takes on this. I agree that the Nets are dysfunction. But guess what? Kevin Durant is not without fault. Kevin Durant wanted to come here. And he said the only way he would come is if Kyrie Irving be his tag team partner. Now, of course, the first year, nothing happened because Kevin Durant was still recovering from that ACL injury that he suffered while he was with Golden State in the um, championship game in 2019. 
But when they finally got on the court together, they barely played. I mean, injuries, of course, are part of the game. So not going to blame it on injuries. Not going to blame it on Kyrie not wanting to get the um, vaccination. That's a personal choice. But Kyrie was not always there even when he wasn't injured. I mean, he, he took games off, took personal days off. He didn't always practice with the team. I mean, he would be on his own practicing. So basically, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving never was able to establish a connection on the court. And it showed when they got swept by the Celtics in this past playoffs. But Kevin Durant knew what he was getting. I mean, what made him think Kyrie was going to be better with him? I mean, look at Kyrie. He wanted to get away from LeBron. I mean, he told Boston that he was going to stay in Boston. And of course, that didn't that that didn't happen. So what made him think that it would be any different with him? So Kevin Durant, instead of going going after Twitter um, followers criticizing you and sportscasters criticizing you, you should have been holding Kyrie accountable. I mean, all he did was basically, you know, excuse everything Kyrie did. I'm guessing also that he also growing tired of Kyrie and his annex. He's just not saying it publicly. So now, what's going to happen here? I mean, the Nets are trying to find a trade partner. But whoever wants Kevin Durant, better be prepared to pony up. Now, of course, I'm going to get to um, Rudy Gobert in just a minute. But look at what they got for it. You should have saw what he got for him. Imagine what you're going to get for Kevin Durant. Now, Kevin Durant also expressed a couple of teams he would like to get traded to. The Miami Heat, the Phoenix Suns. I'm going to take those two teams and what I think about the fit. In Miami, I think it would be a good fit. Jimmy Butler needs a complimentary player. Because it's just him and the rest of the guys are just role players. I mean, Jimmy Butler can't carry this team alone. He needs to have a compliment. Kevin Durant would be that compliment. Now the question is, will Pat Riley put together a package because he's going to have to put probably some some first round picks together and even some players maybe Bam Badabayu maybe Tyler Hero who knows He may have, they might even tell him we want some first round picks and Jimmy Butler so it'll be interesting to see if, my, if Pat Riley will make that move I seriously doubt it. But I actually think Miami would be a great fit for Kevin Durant. The Phoenix Suns. Well, here's the thing. Yeah, I think it it would work in Phoenix. Here's the problem. You're not... 
the, the, the Nets are not going to give Kevin Durant without giving up Devin Booker. But Devin, but that's not going to happen because Devin Booker just signed a max deal. I mean, and of course, they always talk about um, DeAndre Aiden maybe sending him to the Nets for that. But the Nets will be like, uh, yeah, no way. Maybe Aiden and Devin Booker. But if they were able to make this happen without giving up Devin Booker, they would be pretty formidable. I mean, you got two guards in Devin Booker and Chris Paul and Kevin Durant playing the wing. So actually, it would it, it, it would work out. But as I say, they're not they're not gonna um give him away without Devin Booker. I'll give you another team that I think probably would have made sense, but they already signed. That would have been Kevin Durant going to Chicago. Think about it. Put him with Matt Levine and DeMar LaRozan and with um, Lonzo Ball coming back. I think they'd be very formidable. But they decided to keep um, Zach Levine, so chances are they probably don't have the um, cap space or the money to make that happen. And the Nets probably would want either Zach Levine or DeMar DeRozan in a package deal. So, either way, Kevin Durant is somewhat stuck. And the Nets do hold most of the cards. I mean, he's still under contract for four more seasons. They don't have to trade him. But, we all know how this works now in today's sporting landscape. If a player wants out, he'll find a way to get out. All he has to do is pull the James Harden. You know, come in out of shape. You know, maybe go to go to McDonald's and have a happy meal before a game. Or just act the fool like Antonio Brown and Jalen Ramsey. I mean, make it so toxic that they have no choice but to trade you. So it can happen. And, and because Kevin Durant is one of the three top players in the NBA right now. It will happen if he really wants out of Brooklyn. Now, the other big story in the NBA was Rudy Gobert of the, um, formerly of the Utah Jazz. The Jazz traded Rudy Gobert, a three-time All-Defensive Player of the Year, to the Timberwolves. And here's what they got. Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly, Walker Kinsler, Jared Vanderbilt, and Leidro Balamore. I think I said that right. If I didn't, my apologies. Now, actually, for the Timberwolves, I think this is a good move. I mean, this is an up-and-coming team, the Timberwolves. With um, Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards. I mean, we all know Carl Anthony Towns don't want to post up. He'd rather be out there shooting outside shots and three pointers. Well, he can do that now because 
You got Rudy Gobert protecting the, the middle. The only thing I don't like about this trade is they gave up a good defensive player on the wing with Patrick Beverly, Malik Beasley. I mean, these are two good defenders on the outside. Yeah, they got the middle protected, but what are they going to do with the guard play? But I actually think this is a good move. Now, does this make them formidable enough to challenge the Golden State Warriors? Nah, because Golden State got that three-point arsenal, so small ball is probably going to be where they're going to be most weak. But it may get them out of the first round. As for the Utah Jazz, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what they're going to do going forward. Now, of course, they got four first-round picks out of this deal. So, the chances are, will um, Donovan Mitchell want to stick around? Because it seems like Danny Ainge is doing the same thing as general manager of the Utah Jazz that he did with Boston. Stack up picks, build a team within. And it has worked. I mean, look at Boston. They're a formidable team. So, it'll be interesting to see if Donovan Mitchell decides he wants to stick around long enough and do what Dame Lillard is doing right now or decided, you know what? I want to play for a competitor. I want out. So, we'll see going forward. Now, let's break it down to some of the free agent signings. I mean, let's start with, of course, Kyrie Irving opted back into the, as the Nets $36 million option. But of course, there's still talk that if Kevin Durant is moved successfully, he might try to force his way to the Lakers. I'll talk more about that if it happens. And of course, speaking of the Lakers, Russell Westbrook opted back in with the Lakers, $47 million. So we'll see if he's gonna how much longer he's gonna be there, especially if Kyrie Irving is successfully moved. Bradley Beal, who became a free agent, signed a super max deal to stay with the Washington Wizards, five years, two hundred fifty-one million. While I'm glad he got his money, let's be honest, the Washington Wizards have shown nothing that makes me believe. That they're going to be going anywhere in the next couple of seasons. So basically, he just taking the money and wasting his prime years. Jalen Brunson, who had his coming out party during these on playoffs with the Dallas Mavericks, has decided to go to the New York Knicks. Five years, $106 million. Now, I don't think, while I'm glad he got his money because he deserved it. The problem is, I don't think he makes the Knicks much better. I mean, yeah, you still got Julius Randle. You got um, A.J. Barrett. And Derrick Rose is still there. But, I mean, yeah, they're, they're gonna, they may be able to score more points. And he'll he'll put up some, some, some points. But I don't see anything that makes me believe they're back to the same team they were a couple of years ago when they got in the playoffs. I mean, I think the Knicks need to do more. And I need to see more for for, for me to um, believe that the Knicks 
are going to turn the corner. The 76ers and P.J. Tucker um, agreed to a three-year deal, $33.2 million. Now, I think this is a, now this is a good move. I mean, James Harden decided to um, opt out of his deal and hopefully open up some money so the Sixers can get better. Kudos to James Harden on that front. P.J. Tucker gives him a, a good defensive presence. Something to add with Joel Embiid. So, uh, I think this is going to help them defensively. Now, of course, going back to Carl Anthony Towns, now that he has Rudy Gobert in the middle, he signed a max deal, four years, $224 million. So, it's obvious that the Minnesota Timberwolves are investing in their future. What young players like Carl Anthony Towns, like say, Anthony Edwards, and now you have Rudy Gobert in the middle. Zach Levine decided to stay with the Chicago Bulls. Five years, $215 million. Well, again, basically they're investing in their young talent. I mean, you got him. You got Lavonzo Ball coming back. I mean, the Rosen's a vet. But they still need to do more to get better. Because right now, they're not, they're not, they're maybe only sniffing the first round. So they got to do more. Ja Morant. The, t- the um, Grizzlies have decided to invest in him. Five years, 213 mil. Well, he's definitely, I believe, the face of this league in the next four or five years. But they need to do more to get better on that front as well. I mean, John Morant can't do it alone. I mean, they got some, they got some nice pieces there, but we need to see more. Noki Djokovic signed a super max deal for the um, Denver um, Nuggets. Five years, $264 million. Well, This guy's a two-time MVP of the league. So, and looks like they get um, Michael Porter Jr. back along with um, his other... Con- I can't remember his name right now, but y'all know who I'm talking about. I mean, Denver should be a formidable team. Now that Djokovic doesn't have to um, do all the work. Aaron, I don't, I don't like I, said, I can't remember the other guy I'm thinking at the time, but it'll probably come to me later. Zion Williams. Now this is a surprise to me. They decided to extend him five years, two hundred thirty-one mil. I'm sorry, but this. I mean, I like Zion and everything, but he hasn't played many games. So why are they signing this guy to a huge deal when he hasn't played a certain amount, a lot of games? Let's just hope they don't regret this one. I, I, would, I would have let him at least show me that he can play at least 65 or more games before I gave him a big contract. And let me not forget about Devin Booker. Obviously, the Phoenix Suns have invested in him four years, $214 million. Now, this is great. Because Dev, before the Phoenix Suns became... Known Devin Booker was there when they were losing. I mean, he was drafted at 18, I mean, 19, something like that. And he's been with the Suns the whole time. So I think this is well-deserved that they invested in Devin Booker. 
All right, that's it for the NBA segment. Now let's move on to college football. Some news coming out of um, college football as the Pac-12 is going to be losing two of its staple teams. The University of Southern Cal and UCLA have informed the Pac-12 that they're going to be leaving and t- starting in 2024 and moving to the Big Ten. So now, the Big Ten is probably going to be more like the Big 14. Almost like they're basically doing what the SEC is doing. They're creating a super conference. Because we all know at 2024, Texas and Oklahoma are going to be leaving the Big Ten to go to, I mean, the, the the Big 12, I'm sorry, to go to the SEC. Now, my thing is, there's going to be some interesting um, matchups here. Let's just start there. I mean, USC versus Ohio State. I mean, Michigan. I mean, Michigan State. So, you got to remember, USC was carrying the Pac-12 for years under Pete Carroll. I mean, before the NFL returned to L.A., UFC was their um, L.A.'s NFL team. So now they're going to lose a chunk of that of, of that of, of that market, the big the Pac-12, and now the Big Ten is going to now be competing with the SEC for fo- for college football supremacy. Where this is going for college football? I think Kurt, I heard Kurt Herbstreet, you know, college football analyst from Game Day, on a um, on a on a talk radio show, said that we're going to be seeing the NFL on Saturdays. And you know what? I actually agree with him. I actually believe that we're going to see the NFL on Saturdays because you're going to have a con. A, you're going to have two big conferences. Now, what does that do for the other conferences? Now, other now people like the Big Ten, I mean Big 12, the Pac-12, maybe even the ACC are going to be looking to be really scrambling to try to find teams to create their own super conference to fill those voids left by UCLA, USC, and the Pac-12. Texas and Oklahoma in the Big 12. So, they just, for the for the Pac-12, they better hope the Oregon Ducks don't decide they want to jump ship. Because if they jump ship, that's a wrap for um the Pac-12. So, another thing, we all know what's really driving these moves. The NIL. I mean, think about it. You see, UCLA and UFC want to try to compete for recruits with the Pac-12, with the with the Big Ten teams, and no, and they know that the more money is being generated, the better the athletic programs can be built. 
same thing goes with the um with Texas and um Oklahoma. They're trying to compete with the Alabamas, the Georgias for recruits. And they know the more money they get, the more revenue coming in, the more they're able to build their athletic programs. So they can um, show all these recruits their big res- facilities. Because let's just say you go to like a, an Ohio State, yet you want to live in California. You look at the, the their um, training facilities and you're like, yeah, nah, I think I'll stick with Ohio State. Or you go to, um, or in the SEC, you go to Texas and you want to decide between Alabama. I'm sure they have big time um, athletic facilities and Texas as well. You're going to, now it gives, gives the recruit a choice. So it's going to be very interesting to see, I mean, to see what more of an impact the NIL is going to have on these big moves of college football teams to move to bigger conferences to get to, to generate more revenue and to recruit some of the best um, guys for their teams. So I'm gonna be interested to see these matchups in 2024 in the in the, in the Big Ten. Let's see Ohio State versus um, USC versus Michigan. And well, I'm I'm not certain about UCLA right now, so. We'll see what what kind of team they'll have by time they get to 2024. And now let's close with UFC. That's right. This Saturday, UFC 276 will occur. We have two big title fights. So let me start with the co-main event. Alexander Volkanovsky. We take it on Max Holloway for the third time for the UFC Featherweight Championship. Now, Volonowski won both fights by decision. Now, in the first fight, Volonowski dominated. I mean, the fight did get close toward the end, but probably through the first three and a half rounds, Volonowski was dominating with a great inside-outside game, a lot of leg kicks. Basically, he kept uh, Max Holloway off guard for the most part. I mean, Holloway did close the gap toward the end, but in the end, Bolinowski won the featherweight championship. Now, in the second fight, Holloway dominated the first three rounds. I mean, he came out I mean, like a house of fire, man position. I mean, he was basically on his game. But then in the championship rounds, Bolinowski put it together and edged out a, a split decision victory. And now, will third time be the charm for Max Holloway? I think for Max Holloway, he better he better be able to um, incorporate the same strategy he had for the for the second fight, but he was but he must be able to sustain it for all five rounds. Now for Volonowski, he just need to keep doing what he's been what's been working, but make sure 
He's able to adjust if things don't work out like it did in the first two fights. Here's my prediction. <laughs> I think third time's gonna be the charm. I just I I kind of think that Holloway is gonna pull it out this time. Now I can say he should have pulled it out in the second fight. So we should have had a one-one tie. But I think this time, I think it'll I think it'll go the distance. Same amount. And it'll be a split decision. And I think this time. We will see a new UFC featherweight champion, Max Holloway. And he will return to dominance that he had when he was featherweight champion up until Holonowski came along. Now let's go to the main event. My guy, Israel Adesante, will be taking on number one challenger, Jarrett Conanier for the UFC middleweight title. Israel Sante is 22 and 1, while Jared Conner is 5, 15 and 5. Now, of course, Israel Sante has both the height and the reach advantage in this fight. I mean, Israel is like 6-4, and Conner is 5-11. And he's got the reach advantage as well, and the leg advantage. But let's not sleep on Conner. I mean, this guy, I mean, he has pretty good lateral movement as well. Pretty versatile. He's great on his feet. And this guy's a hard hitter. So, Israel better, you know, not sleep on this man's power. And both these men are great at takedown defense. So, but don't expect this fight to be on the ground much. Or even at all. Both these men are great strikers, so I expect this fight to be on his feet 99% of the time. I mean, Jarek Conanair, there's some things to like about him, but me personally, I don't think he's going to beat Israel Asanta. I think this fight goes four rounds. I think Conanair will have a, uh, put up a nice effort. But in the end, Israel Sante will still be UFC middleweight champion as he defeats Jarek Conanair with a knockout in the fourth round. So, Asante in four rounds. Now, that's the end of the UFC segment, and this will also conclude episode 126 of Sports Takes Galore. I'm your humble host, Gabe. Thank you again for listening. Thank you again for downloading. I appreciate it. You can you can stream this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, or wherever you stream your podcasts from. You can follow me on Twitter at ggsports13. And you can go to my Facebook page at Sports Takes Galore with Gabe. I'd like to thank everyone again for listening. Thank everybody for downloading. Have a wonderful Saturday and a wonderful 4th of July weekend. And I'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye.